Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shift podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. You know, even before I became an eating disorder specialist, I'd always heard that dancers were more likely to have eating disorders, and it wasn't something I ever really questioned, and I can't even remember when or who I heard it from. It was just something that was, I guess, known. And if I really think about it, I assume I thought it would make sense because dancers all seem to have a very slim body and there was even this term, quote unquote, dancers bodies. So what I do know now that I'm an eating disorder specialist and I know more statistics and things like that is that dancers have three times the higher risk of suffering from eating disorders with a drive for thinness and being prone to food restriction. More than one in two females and one in three male dancers do not meet their energy needs for the day. And this results in things like injuries, chronic fatigue, shortness of breath, digestive problems, irritability, difficulty concentrating, sleep problems, muscle loss, decreased endurance, and compromised performance. And most dancers struggle with body dissatisfaction solely from being in that environment. They'll oftentimes compare their bodies to other dancers, which puts immense pressure on themselves to be smaller. And they might see themselves as overweight and might even be told this by others, which only contributes to their negative body image and self-loathing. And this only contributes and makes eating disorder thoughts and behaviors worse. So look, I've never been a dancer and I cannot speak to all of what they experience, but here with us today are two absolutely amazing guests who are dancers and they know all about the dance world. And I'm gonna be honest, when they reached out to me, I was intrigued about having them on because as you will hear in the show, they are doing some phenomenal work to try and help others who have eating disorders. And I simply could not believe that they're high school students. These two are so mature, they're so well-spoken and they're doing things that most adults would need help to do and to get up and running. And you're going to see exactly what I mean once I bring them on and you're going to hear this all for yourself. So who are these two people? So we have Anya Kleinman and Kendall Morandi. They have experienced themselves the negative impacts of the dance community on eating disorders. And together they co-founded Dancers Beyond Labels, which is a youth nonprofit organization dedicated to changing the standards surrounding food and body image in the dance community. They're constructing a safe, hardworking network devoted to achieving three goals. One, educating dance studios on eating disorder language and culture. Two, fundraising for research and treatment centers. And three, directly helping dancers overcoming these issues. All right, so Anya and Kendall, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate everything you're doing. Um, And you know, people listening are probably wondering a little bit more about you personally. And so I don't know if you're open to sharing a little bit about how you started the organization and kind of what got you here. So I don't know if one of you wants to kind of share first. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having us. Um, 
I'm Anya Kleinman. Um, Kendall? Yeah, I'm Kendall Morandi, my partner. Um, so we are um, high school students in Maryland. Um, we're both dancers. We've been dancing together for a long time, um, since I think we were in the fifth grade. Um, so we're very close friends. And um, we both, you know, these past couple of years have, you know, experienced some pretty difficult eating issues. Um, and I'm, I don't know, Kendall, if you want to elaborate a little bit on your experience. Um. Um, yeah, so I think what I I think we both shared a pretty similar story that a lot of uh, dancers experience in the industry. Um, when you experience change in your life, dance is in dance, you're kind of like your body is your instrument. And so you're very open to criticism. And that involves what you eat, how, what, how much you work out, what you look like. And I think that really manifested a lot of eating issues. Um, yeah. And so we, you know, uh, this past year sort of came together and realized that we both had had a very similar experience and we felt really isolated. We felt like we didn't have anybody to turn to um, within, you know, our respective eating issues. And so um, we decided to start Dancers Beyond Labels. Um, which is our organization, um, we wanted to create a safe space for dancers, a community where people could come, um, they would be welcomed with open arms and they could do work to help other dancers. Um, you know, as, as young people, it, it's kind of scary to do things like that. Um, it, it seems like a really um, unattainable task, but I, I think we're really proud to say that we've been doing pretty well, so yeah. No, that's fantastic, and you know, to your point, right? You're young and people, I'm wondering, are they looking at you kind of going like, oh my gosh, these young high school students, like, what is this? Is this something we can take seriously? Like, just tell me a little bit more about that. Like you two got together and when you were thinking about this, you know, some people might think, oh, you know, you can create a safe space online or, you know, within your community to talk and come together. But you actually went you know, ahead of that and created an organization, like what got you to that point? Well, um, I think while we were sharing with each other kind of like our stories, we realized how often this, um, this like narrative is echoed throughout the dance community. So we really wanted to see how we can make a difference. And that was really intimidating. Um, like Anya stated, it was um, because we were younger, so we don't have the same resources. But it's also a benefit in a way because then we can kind of really see the data of other places of how what's working, what's not. And um, we really use that to our advantage, I think, uh, which allowed us to like expand more on if you want to add. Yeah, oh, just yeah, quickly to add on to what Kendall said. Um, I think, you know, as a young person, people definitely have their doubts when they're partnering with us. And, you know, we're in the beginning stages of our organization. So like Kendall said, we're figuring out what works, what doesn't, you know, what forms of communication are most effective and, you know, what forms of communication might, you know, prevent people from working with us. Um, and also, you know, in getting our 501c3 tax exemption status, you know, we're in that process right now. And yeah, as young people, it's hard, you know, because you have to be 18 to sign a lot of documents. Um, but, you know, we've sort of navigated um, our way through the legal process. And it's, I think we're figuring it out as we go. Um, hopefully that answered your question. Um, no, it, you know, it's 
amazing. I looked at your website and I saw all the openings you have and it's very well thought out, just all the um, the job openings and the, the openings for you know all these positions. And it looks like when you get them all filled, it's just going to be one very well-working organization that's going to help a lot of people and have a lot of reach. So um, kudos to you guys for that, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate that. Right now, we actually have a executive team of 15 people, which um, we're really excited to keep expanding and like continue our work together. Yeah. So if you don't mind me asking, so the two of you kind of, you've been dancing obviously a long time, known each other a long time before you kind of discussed it or kind of became vulnerable with each other about your struggles with your body and eating. Were either one of you aware from the outside that either one of you were struggling? I think, yeah, that's, that's an awesome question. Do you mean like us personally, did we think that we had problems or, you know, with one another, did we sense issues? Um, Both. I guess. For me, um, my, um, I guess my eating problems sort of emerged at the beginning of eighth grade. It started off as something totally innocuous. I didn't bring lunch to school one day. And I remember I looked in the mirror and I, you know, I hadn't eaten anything all day. And I was like, wow, I look really tiny. I haven't eaten anything. But I didn't think it was a problem. I just sort of liked how I how I looked, which sounds awful to say, but it's, you know, it's the truth. I guess, you know, that's that's how these, you know, issues and disorders emerge. Um, and as dancers, like Kendall said, our our bodies are our instruments. And so we're subject to so much criticism. We're looking in the mirror all day. And so it just sort of spiraled out of control for me, you know, that that feeling of thinness that I that I grew to be sort of obsessed with, um, came into the studio. I was looking in the mirror all day, but I honestly never thought I had a problem. I just, I thought that I was, you know, doing what every other dancer did. You know, we, we take such great care of our bodies. We're so focused on our movement and the way we look. And I guess I sort of lost sight of the difference between my movement and the actual construction of my body and the way I was treating myself as an athlete. And I think with Kendall, our timelines didn't align perfectly, but I think Kendall, maybe I think you probably suspected something eighth grade year about my issues. And we've had some conversations about that, but if you want to talk about your experience and if you, yeah. Yeah. So mine was actually this, um, freshman year and, um, so last year, um, when you enter freshman year, there feels like there's a lot of change and you're moving on to high school there's just there's a lot going on so um I felt like out of control with myself and like things so what I thought was an innocent start as a calorie deficit and doing workouts in like my room at night it just it completely kept going in spirals and it just created like the only concept in my mind was food and how little I could possibly intake and um it it same with Alania. It took me a very long time to realize that like this wasn't just like cutting back a little. This wasn't just like counting my calories. This was like a real issue, and it it takes a lot of courage to realize that. So, and I'm imagining is there a pressure in the dance world to to do this? I don't know if other people are kind of encouraging it or like praising if you're losing weight and becoming smaller, like what was going on that was kind of reinforcing all this? Um, I think with dance, you are constantly in a studio with a mirror. 
there's also like in the more professional world people get turned away for their body types and auditions there's just such a stigma and standards around these what is referred to as a dancer body that are so rooted in eating disorder culture and create such negative impacts on young dancers now and it's just it's it's a lot of heavy weight on all dancers yeah i i totally agree just adding on to what kendall said i think for me um i think well like kendall said within the dance community there's a huge emphasis placed on this idea of a dancer body and so while uh people weren't necessarily encouraging us to take on certain behaviors you know you're looking at your idols and you're looking at the type of people that are getting casted and it's all people who are in- incredibly slender and and you feel like you need to match that body type in order to pursue a career in dance or or just be a successful artist i also think with social media, you know, there's been a an influx of eating disorders, especially amongst younger people, because on social media, there's been this glorification of um, calorie counting, um, you know, vegetarianism, which isn't a bad thing, but I think like unhealthy veganism, you know, unhealthy dietary patterns that um, have, like I said, been glorified. And so I think it was the combination of those two things that really reinforced my eating issues. So that, you know, for some people who maybe aren't maybe older and not as active on social media. Um, And we do know that the more you look at certain things, the more you get filtered the same things over and over. So maybe your world view on social media might be different than someone else who's looking at, say, like, you know, baby stuff or stock market stuff, right? Like, maybe they're not getting filtered the same feed as you. Um, What are you guys seeing in your feed in terms of, like, you're talking about calorie counting, all of this other stuff? Like, what are you two seeing in your feed? That's like a really interesting question because it's like when I was deep in my eating disorder behaviors, I would, I had these like editing apps. I had um, all these recommendations on YouTube for like hourglass figure workout, like stuff like that. And it's like, no matter how far I've come now, those still recommendations are still popping up because of the algorithm of um, social medias. and. It's just, it's insane because that's like a little post of like um, calorie counting, for example, that can spiral into something so much deeper, which is why social media is such an impactful source. It can be so positive, but also such a negative course and like pathway. Yeah, for for sure. I, I feel like with social media in general, a lot of these companies, their their business models um, prioritize like constant growth. And the way that they achieve that growth is by like disseminating content that resonates with each specific user. And so for Kendall and I, you know, when we were, you know, when I was at the height of my eating disorder and I was looking at all these food videos and I was searching things up on the internet, like how how many calories is in something. It's almost like all of that content popped up on all of my social media um, feeds, like on TikTok, especially when people are doing like a what in I what I eat in a day video. Um, it's just really harmful when people are eating like a rice cake throughout the entire day. And you think that you need to match that eating pattern. And if you don't, then you're failing as a dancer. You're failing as I guess, someone who has an eating disorder. And I think people who experience those disorders definitely know how that feels to feel like you're failing um, in how you're eating. And it's, yeah, it's social media definitely doesn't help. 
sounds like a nightmare. I, I remember sharing in the first five podcasts I made a couple of years back now. Gosh, I can't believe it's been that long. But I remember sharing that, you know, I didn't grow up with social media. I had magazines and TV and whatnot. But I remember sharing that I used to wish that I could look at somebody and say, oh, I like how they look. I like their body. And oh, I could I could be a fly on the wall and follow them around all day and just see what they're eating so that I could have their same body. And I'm just imagining, oh my gosh, my eating disorder would have been like so much worse. I mean, it was already bad, but if I had access to social media, like you're describing where I could watch what somebody's eating in a day, not just one person, but so many, I can't even imagine the impact that that has had on you guys. That's awful. I think that's why we, we are working, um, doing this work for our organization. Cause I, I think younger audiences are more impressionable. They, they believe things um, more deeply. I, I I, mean, you know, obviously when you're younger, you see things and I think you're more heavily influenced because you haven't really established your core principles yet. And so it's it's hard when you're seeing all this content and it's influencing you so greatly. And yeah, um, your your story, I definitely understand what you mean. And we, we, had, we have access to that now, which is awful. Yeah. And imagine think, you're not second guessing it either. It's like, oh, it's on there. They must know what they're doing. They're touting this. Other people are following them. Like, this must be the way to go. And like, who's, who's sitting there saying like, no, that's actually going to hurt you. Like, that's not okay. Yeah. It's like, um, I think, you know, I had talked about this before, but when there's like, when you have an eating disorder, there's this inner voice that's like blinding what you, cause you might look at a social media account and be like, that is like, that is wrong. I know this is not going to help me, but you have that inner voice that's telling you that you should look at that. And it blindsides all of your logic, all your reasoning. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think we really want to create um, a direct to dancers uh, research um, through social media so that we can, achieve these goals and helping people realize that their brain can switch and it's possible. It's all about your mindset. And that's amazing. Just having that message out there. I think it does make a difference when people hear things like, Oh wait, these two people that have been there, they're in the dance field. Like they, they get it. Like in hearing what you have to say, I think that's very powerful. And you know, I, that's why I do this podcast too, is to get voices like yours out here. So anyone listening who's a dancer, like listen to what they're saying. You know, I always tell like you can recover from your eating disorder. And, you know, actually that was my next question for you too. Like, did you go into treatment? Like how did you go from like realizing you had your eating disorder to where you're at now and where are you now with it? Um, yeah, I, I am actually still currently in treatment. Um, but I, I'm very fortunate to have access to materials and resources to help me. Uh, that's been helping me recover. And um, it's really interesting to see how I was um, a couple months ago versus now with all the progress and work I've been putting in to help myself help myself. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, but I also recognize that not a lot of people have the resources to get these tools and information. And that's why with our work, we're just trying to like see as much or as little as we can do to help people gain those resources more easily. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have a lot of plans to hopefully achieve that goal, um, fundraising, creating a scholarship fund, stuff like that. But 
for me, um, my mom, she's a doctor. And so she's had a lot of experience um, with anorexic patients. She knows how dangerous it is. And so she was very attentive on um, the second she picked up on my problems. Um, she got me in touch with a nutritionist. She was making, you know, she gave me access to all of the resources that I needed. And I'm really thankful that I had her. And kind of like what Kendall said, we just want to make sure that every dancer out there knows that they're not alone. I think having a disorder, an eating disorder, eating issues, it's a very isolating experience. And so we want to make sure that dancers know that there are resources out there for them. You know, there are people who resonate with their experiences and empathize with their experiences. Um, and yeah, and that's why we're really doing our work. And that, yeah. No, that's the fantastic. And um one thing you had mentioned was providing resources or helping people to get them. Now, are you, is part of your goal also to help people with some of the barriers to treatment in terms of like cost or like accessing treatment? What are, what are the ultimate goals? Yeah. So um, we, as we have our 501c3 status as pending, we just got um, approved to start our fundraising. So part of our goals as we work closely with our fundraising team on our executive board is that we want to fundraise for treatment centers so we can help them with their research and just to continue to help others. We also have um, more plans for how we can help with um, people in our community, uh, help them with the cost of getting that treatment, getting those resources. So um, yeah, Anya, if you have anything to add. Just quickly. So yeah, we, we understand that, you know, um, eating disorders necessitate clinical and professional help. And so we want to make sure that these treatment centers can continue their research and also their clinical work. Um, but eventually we do want to start a scholarship fund, as Kendall said, um, because our tax exemption status is currently pending. We just got the green light to start um, fundraising. So we're sort of establishing all of our programs um, as we go along. But right now, yeah, our plan is to develop a scholarship fund, hopefully in the next few months. Fantastic. I mean, you know, I could speak volumes, but I know how difficult it is for many people to afford treatments, to access care, and you know, just what you're doing is phenomenal. Um, I don't think people who maybe, maybe if they haven't looked into it yet, or maybe they had like the enormous cost—not just emotionally, but financially—to seek treatment and to get treatment for an eating disorder. It's, it's it's horrible that, you know, it's not more funded or that it's not more accessible to more people. So, you know, what you're doing is amazing. Uh, really, we need like so many more of you. If there was more organizations out there like trying to get um, funding or scholarships for people that actually need help, that would be fantastic. So, I mean, and you're so young doing this already. That's like amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, we're really hoping that we can make an impact. Um, you know, like I said, we just want to make sure that dancers know that they're not alone and not just dancers, you know, anyone who has experienced eating discomfort and, and can sympathize with our cause. We just want to provide support for them. So. So I know you just started and like I said, your website just is new. Um, but if people are listening, kind of going, okay, so if I want to get involved or I'm looking and maybe at one of the positions you just talked about, or I want to donate, like how can they find you? What what do they need to do? That's um, that's a great question. We 
have um, most of our um, information can be found on our Instagram, which is dancers.beyond.labels. And um, we our website is up if you just search in and Google Dancers Beyond Labels. Um, we have a lot of social media uh, platforms such as TikTok, and we keep hoping to expand our social media so that more people can access us. Yeah, we have a social media team coming together. And so there should be a huge surge of content coming out very soon. Um, but also we're launching our volunteering network um, very soon. As soon as our tax exemption certification comes through, we're launching our volunteer network. People can help us fundraise. People can um, help us and participate in events. And we are distributing volunteer hours to all the high schoolers out there who need to get a certain amount of hours. Um, we also just launched our chapter network. Um, we're really trying to gear towards a younger audience um, because I think at times, like I said, you know, younger people can feel discouraged and they feel like they can't get involved with advocacy, but they absolutely can. And so, um, you know, we're going to start encouraging lots of high schoolers to start a chapter and, you know, carry out our missions within their area. Um, and so there are tons of opportunities for high schoolers and even adults who want to volunteer. And like Kendall said, if you just search up dancers beyond labels on google you'll our website should come right up so yeah that's fantastic i'm just thinking gosh you know like so are you are you imagining this to be something like nationwide that like they like people who say volunteer or start chapters will they be like essentially able to like connect with you online or are you hoping to do that like in person at some point yes um as we continue to expand we we want to definitely have some like Zoom meetups with all our chapters and like possibly, hopefully, eventually in-person meetups as well. So we can really go over like how our mission is being achieved. But also, as you mentioned about going nationally and internationally, we want to make sure we have a like plethora of different events uh, laid out so anyone can access them and participate, such as in-person events um, within where your chapter is, but also um, events anyone from anywhere can join, such as like movie nights on Zoom and just more innovative ways with we can use social media to as a positive instead of a negative. Yeah, um, just adding on to what Kendall said, we have an amazing head of fundraising who's brainstorming lots of virtual fundraisers. So once we launch our volunteering network, people can get involved with events from uh, their desk. Um, you know, you don't have to be um, in a specific area to get involved. Um, but also with chapters, um, what I love about our chapter network is that people can do whatever they want. Really, it's it's their entity. Um, it's a branch off our organization. And so they can make change however they want to. Um, but we're just all working towards the same common goal. Um, so yeah, that's that's how we're planning to get people from all over the country and hopefully all over the world involved with our organization. Those are so inspiring. Like, <laughs> like I'm thinking, oh, this, this is going to be great once you get like all this up and running and everything's in place. I think it's going to be phenomenal. So um, really congratulations. I'm so glad you guys reached out and I was able to have you on here. And, you know, anyone who wants to find out more, uh, we'll have all of their uh, social media and website information on the show notes. But uh, I don't know if you guys have any last words or anything before we end. We just want to say how like grateful we are for this opportunity to like share our mission with more people and um, we're really excited to just take off.
Yeah, I'm excited for you. Maybe like in a year we can like reconvene and see how things are going. I'd love to <laughs> oh, see like in a year that. what's going on. Like, yeah, I think yeah. that's great. Yeah, I would love that. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Um, yeah, thank you so, so much. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.